Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Kernels. I'm Bryce, and this is episode 40. We've got another great show for you here today. We're going to talk all about the world of movies, video games, TV shows, maybe a little bit less about TV shows because I just cannot find a good show to watch lately. And I guess on another tangent before we get started, I the, the Atlanta season, the newest one, for whatever reason, I just can't really get myself into it. I've watched like the first three or four episodes and I've kind of tapped out like I was doing off the couch reviews for each episode. I really don't like it as much as I did the first two seasons. For whatever reason, this this season is just taking a very much different trend. That just isn't for me, but I still contend that the episodes are good. It's just I don't feel the need to watch them and review them for everybody. So that's kind of that. So this is how today's episode is going to go. First, we're going to start off with the weekly recap. I'll talk about all the movies I've seen within the last week or two, as well as any other big events that have been going on with the Bankrupt Hippo channel. Then I'll get into last weekend's actual box office results. Then I'll get into this weekend's box office projections because, as a lot of you know, I air these episodes on Sundays when the box office results aren't official yet, so I can only go off of projections. Then I'll round it off with another bonus topic today that'll be my most anticipated movies for the month of May of 2022. Then I'll give you some recommendations and I'll send you on your way. So, without further ado, let's get into the weekly recap. So, quite a few interesting movies have debuted at the box office this weekend. There was The Northman. There is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and The Bad Guys. I have seen two out of three of them this weekend. I think I'm going to go see The Bad Guys tonight, meaning that I have seen The Northman and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I'll start off with The Northman first. I went and saw The Northman on opening night on Thursday, and I was not expecting really a whole lot from the movie, but I was pretty pleasantly surprised by the time I walked out of it. I've seen Robert Eggers as Robert Eggers as the director of The Northman. I've seen his previous work in The Lighthouse, which actually had Willem Dafoe, who was also in The Northman, and Robert Pattinson. And I've also seen his movie, I believe it was The Witch, or The... Yeah, I think it was The Witch, which both were very much independent, very artsy movies that were set in different periods, and both of which were very, very good. But I think The Northman has been Robert Eggers' best movie yet. Alexander Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy, the entire cast really did a great job of selling the movie, and it was just a really captivating experience overall. It's a vengeful tale. It's a revenge tale of Amleth, who's played by Alexander Skarsgård, trying to get revenge on his father's killer, which it was just done so well from the sounds, the music, the eye-catching imagery, and the disturbing imagery to boot. There's a lot of very Nordic... uh, flavors to this movie it's very much a norse film and i'm gonna acknowledge the fact that that kind of flavor is not going to be for everybody in fact for the typical average moviegoer who maybe only goes to movies once in a while they might not so much and they might not like that particular aspect of the movie however it's easy enough to follow the revenge tale is gripping enough and the characters and escalations of events are so exciting that i think you'll have a good time no matter what kind of movie genre you're into the Nordic stuff might weird you out a little bit, but if you're super deep into Robert Eggers' stuff, you're going to love The Northman, and a really nice supplement to it was Willem Dafoe and Ethan Hawke. They're not in the movie as much as I could call them main characters. They're very much side characters with maybe 10 to 15 minutes of screen time each, but Alexander Skarsgård and Anya Taylor-Joy are very much at the forefront of this movie, and so is Nicole Kidman, and they do a really great job, and the story is just great. There's a lot to really enjoy about the movie. In fact, I gave it an 8 out of 10 when I reviewed it on the channel. If I changed my mind to a 9 out of 10 and said that this was probably one of my favorite movies of the year, I would be okay with that. 
I guess that's kind of the, the problem with giving scores, right? I could change my mind so often and who knows, maybe when the end of 2022 comes around, it will be in my top 10. And as of right now, I know it certainly is, but there's still plenty of the year to go. So those are my thoughts on the Northman. If any of you have seen it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I'd recommend going and watching it. Absolutely. And the second movie I ended up seeing that debuted was The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And I knew very little about it going into it. This is very much a, it's, this is also a very different flavored film. It's Nicolas Cage playing as an actor named Nick Cage, who is, who is essentially washed up, has a very meddling, troubling relationship with his, with his ex-wife and his daughter. And he forms this very close friendship with someone who pays him to show up at his birthday party and entertain guests. It's really interesting and the person who hires him is played by Pedro Pascal. He plays a character named, oh, why am I blanking on his name? It's going to come to me any second now. It's, I think it's Javi. Yeah, I think it's Javi or Javi. It's Javi or Javi. I can't remember. I don't know why I'm saying Javi. I think it's, it, I'm pretty sure it's Javi. But the movie, although I wouldn't say it was great, I would at least say it was somewhere between okay and good in my opinion. There's a lot to enjoy with and it. You're going to laugh a lot if you're watching this. The best part of this movie for me was the friendship that is, I guess, built upon throughout the course of the movie, which is this relationship between Pedro Pascal's character, Javi, and Nick Cage's character, Nick Cage. It's just really endearing. It's really interesting. And I just have a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun for the hour and a half that I watched it, turning off my brain and just watch these two do whatever the hell they wanted. It's as if you're watching two best friends become best friends in a movie and then seeing that all play out and them getting the shenanigans at the same time doing other things. Like the movie is just great if you want to turn off your brain for a little while and just relax and laugh quite a bit. There are some great laughs in this movie. For me, I'm I'm really hard to please when it comes to comedy, but I have to contend that this movie, it, there are some great comedic elements within it too. And the best part of it is it's never boring. In an hour and a half movie, there's always that risk of the fact that it's so short that it doesn't make the most of its screen time. This movie, it doesn't take long to get going. To get going, And there's always something crazy and new and different happening in the most unexpected of ways. And at some points, you'll be dropping your jaw at, at just sheer confusion, sometimes at sheer amazement at just what this movie can really do. It's very, just the fact that Nicolas Cage is playing as himself, quote unquote, or as an actor named Nick Cage is enough to really be bonkers. And if I had to describe the movie in one word, that's how I would describe the unbearable weight of massive talent. It is bonkers and a lot of fun. Now, Having said that, the reason why I wouldn't elevate it past, in my opinion, of course, it's all subjective, past being a good movie is the fact that I just had some problems with it. I, this isn't a spoiler, but there are there's a certain espionage element to the movie, and there are certain players behind that espionage element that are involved in the film, and I really didn't like that piece of it. I thought they were pretty useless, and it made me... I understood why they were a part of the movie, but just the way it executed, I think it could have been done much better. It just really didn't grab me. And I, if the two characters were, weren't in the movie, I don't think I would have really missed them. They could have been played by anybody, but that's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. I don't think that the story was, and another issue I had with the movie is I don't think that the story was quite substantive enough for me to really elevate it past 
otherworldly, like one of the best stories I've seen all year, which is another reason why I wouldn't elevate it past a good movie either. But if you're seriously, the way I would recommend this movie is I would much, it's much akin to The Lost City. Bring a friend with you to go watch it. Bring two or three friends. Go laugh it, laugh your asses off. Have some popcorn. Have a good time because that's what the unbearable weight of massive talent will give you. So those are my thoughts on the movie. If you've seen it, let me know down in the comments what you thought of it. And uh, one other thing to keep your radar on for the Bankrupt Hippo channel coming up to, uh, I just dropped the tra the uh, reviews for Sonic 2, which I almost forgot to post, so I'm glad I remembered on Friday night, and I also just dropped the Northman review. Next up, I'm going to be doing my review of the Everything Everywhere All at Once movie, which, guys, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's pretty great. And... Then after that, I'll probably be doing my reviews of uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent as well. And then I'll follow that up with The Bad Guys eventually. I'm trying to catch up on all the movies. There's been a lot that have been coming out lately. And I've been trying to do as many reviews as possible. Um, all right. So what else has been going on in the weekly recap? Uh, I'll be going and seeing The Bad Guys, I believe, today, if not next week. Regardless, I'll get a review out for that. But I just started playing. I finished last weekend, The Last of Us which was a ton of fun. It was just as masterful as I remember it being. This game really captures a story in the best of essences. And what I really enjoy about it is the fact that it doesn't, it has a good amount of collectibles, really entertaining crafting, really entertaining resource collection, really entertaining weapons, but it doesn't overload you to the point where all you're doing is looking for these items, which I really appreciate. Me being a very much obsessive gamer, I'll call it, I like to find every single collectible, every single item possible. And when a game makes you really work hard as hell to the point where you're spending hours upon hours just looking for collectibles, that's when it kind of loses me because I start to forget what's actually happening in the story. And The Last of Us strikes that balance so well that I couldn't help but just eat up the game. And I'm happy to say that now that I've transitioned into playing The Last of Us Part Two. The game has largely maintained that same balance. Now, the biggest difference that I've noticed so far, I'm only eight hours into playing The Last of Us 2, is the fact that The Last of Us 2 is much more resource intensive, meaning it's much harder to find resources, ammo, medical supplies, and whatnot in The Last of Us Part 2 than it was in The Last of Us Part 1, which it doesn't make the game any better or worse. It's just the way it is. So that's just one interesting thing I've noticed between the two of them. And I've got to say The Last of Us Part 2 and The Last of Us Part 1, the best parts of both of those games, in my opinion, is the narrative storytelling of it. And for me, as a big fan of narrative story-driven games, that's what I go to games for. And I really appreciate the games for both bringing that to me. So Godspeed to the creators of both games and Naughty Dog as my favorite game studio of all time, which will bring me into the last thing for the weekly recap. I am, I've been in the process of kind of building my own, I guess I'll call it pseudo home movie theater a couple of year, actually almost a year ago back now. I can't believe I've had it for that long. I went out and bought an LG, uh, it's a CX OLED TV. It was the 2020 model. And then of course the LG C2 just came out in 2022. Then 2021 is the LG C1, but I've had that TV for a year. It's been absolutely phenomenal. The best TV I've ever owned. My only regret not being that I actually, I wish I would have gone up to 77 inches rather than 65. I just like bigger. I just like bigger screens. I like feeling like I am totally encapsulated and immersed in the TV. Do I regret buying the TV? Absolutely not. It's the best TV I've ever purchased. 65 inches is a really good size for a lot of purposes too. And if you live in a, in a bedroom just like mine, that isn't huge. 
it, it it's a perfect screen size and you can still check out all the 4k pixelations the refresh rate for gaming for whatever etc it's phenomenal but i've been holding off on buying a sound system for like over a year and a half now and i finally pulled the trigger and i bought one I'm not a big audiophile, but I wanted to try out surround sound just to see if it would elevate my movie experience even more in my gaming experience. And I bought the Vizio M512A-H6 and I've had it for like 10 hours. I just set it up last night and I tested it out with Dolby Atmos because it's Dolby Atmos enabled. I tested it out with the Batman on HBO Max because for those of you who don't know, the Batman is on HBO Max right now. And wow, I was really blown away by the surrounding elements of it. My only complaint about it so far, and I'm sure that I'll have to adjust this over time as I mess around with it a little bit more, is the fact that one, I can't really hear dialogue very well, and I've like been messing around with the settings of it to turn the dialogue all the way up, and I can't find a good balance of having good sounding dialogue with overwhelming background sound. Like for whatever reason, it's just the background noises are just overwhelming to the point where I'm like, okay, this is, because the dialogue, it's about this loud. And then the special effects are like, boom, like it's just ridiculously loud. So I'll have to find a way to tinker with it to, in order to balance that out. But I haven't found a way to get the dialogue to balance right. So that's my only complaint of it so far. And other than that, I'm curious to see how that adventure is going to go. So I'll keep it all posted. But what a better way to test it out at first than to watch the Batman. So I had some fun with that last evening. Okay, friends. That's enough about my week. How was your week this week? What movies did you see? What movies are you going to watch? Whatever you think, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. All right, let's have some fun. Let's start getting into the box office results from the previous weekend. That's going to be Easter weekend for those of you who celebrate that holiday. So I'll be going over the box office results for the weekend of April 15th through the 17th. First, let's jump on over to box office mojo so these are your weekend box office results for the 15th weekend of movie going in the united states according to box office mojo uh debuting at number one was fantastic beast the secrets of dumbledore making 42.2 million dollars give or take not really a big surprise there i figured that with how massive the harry potter world and wizarding world ips are that it would be debut at number one uh, coming at number two is Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which it's in its second weekend and it made about $29.3 million. Again, really no surprises there. Sonic is massive. Coming at number three was The Lost City, making $6.2 million. Coming in at number four, and this is the most interesting result of the entire weekend for me, was Everything Everywhere All at Once making $6.2 million. Now, the dollar figure isn't what really surprised me. What surprised me was this. You'll notice that last weekend... It actually was at the sixth spot, and this weekend it's at the fourth spot. This movie, for the second weekend in a row, has done this thing where it's crept out outside of the top ten, and then in subsequent weeks, instead of losing money, it's continued to make more money and sneak into the top five. The weekend before that, I believe in weekend 14, it was all the way down at number nine, then it jumped up to number six, and now it jumped up to number four, and I'm really excited for that because of the fact that the movie is amazing. It's so great. You guys will hear my review about it later on this week, but the movie, it's independent, it's very different, it's very wacky, it's very bonkers, much like the releases we've been getting this weekend, and it's just a movie that could be cherished by anybody because it's got some really relatable themes, like the family dynamic, living with regret, alternate lives you could have lived etc and so forth that's just a really fun movie and the best part is it's another very comedic heavy film that you can bring a friend to and you both will enjoy and love so 
I got to give a lot of love to everything everywhere all at once. It's been doing great. And I hope it stays in the box office again in the top five for this weekend. But then coming in at number five, of course, was Father Stu making about $5.4 million. I didn't expect much from Father Stu. If you told me that it didn't come inside of the top five, I wouldn't have been surprised. Mark Wahlberg tends to churn out a ton of movies. Not all of them are great. This seems to be more of a passion project for him from what I've been reading. So not really holds a lot of surprises here with everything everywhere all at once being the biggest one. But friends, now I ask you, what do you make of the weekend box office results for the 15th weekend of movie going of 2022? You know where the comment section is. Let me know. All right, let me take a massive breath of air before going into the 16th weekend. One second. Whew, there we go. Uh, on these podcasts, I tend to talk really, really fast. So I got to catch my breath once in a while. Okay, so let's get into this current weekend's box office projections. That's going to be the 16th weekend of movie going in the United States. If I've got to get more granular than that, I'm going to be talking about April 22nd through the 24th. So let's jump right in. We're going to shift on over to deadline for this. One second. Okay, so... These are just the projections coming out from Deadline, I believe, as of Saturday morning. They like to give these updates uh, every morning during the weekend. So that's where these numbers are coming in from. So this is, right off the bat, this actually is a big surprise to me. The top 10 they're projecting for this weekend, coming at number one is going to be The Bad Guys, which is estimated to make $25 million on its opening weekend. Now... If you had asked me going into this weekend, out of the Northmen, the Unbearable Way of Massive Talent, and the Bad Guys, which of those three is going to make the most money? I actually probably would have said the Bad Guys, and I'm excited to see if that projection is going to pan out, and here's why. The Bad Guys tends to... Actually, hang on, let me... The Bad Guys isn't a rated R movie for one. That's one thing that the Northman, the unbearable way of massive talent had going against it. They're not huge blockbusting theatrical films. They're not family friendly. They're very rated R films, which a film being rated R automatically restricts your audience pretty significantly. Plus the bad guys, it's a very friend, family friendly movie. It's, I don't believe a rated above a PG and that in and of itself is ripe enough to bring your entire families to with movie going, becoming more, Back into the fold with the waning of the pandemic coming around. More families have been going to movies. So I'm not really too surprised that the bad guys is doing as well as it's doing at the box office, especially for opening weekend. And for those reasons, I'll just kind of leave it at that. I haven't seen the movie myself yet. I would imagine that the movie's got to be semi-decent if it's going to debut at number one at the box office and it being a family flick. So when I see it, I'm curious to see if I'll enjoy it or not. Um... So I, just, I guess I'll just kind of leave it at that. Coming in at number two projected and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is projected to make $15.2 in its third weekend. The movie is showing signs of having longevity and I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because Sonic is a really big IP and a lot of people seem to like it. I'm in the minority on that movie. I really didn't enjoy it. In fact, it's either my least favorite movie of the year or my second least favorite movie of the year. Right now it's in contention with Morbius. We'll have to see, but Sonic the Hedgehog 2, with it being such a big IP, being family-friendly yet again, the first one was pretty great. This is Jim Carrey's last performance. It's got a lot of uh, momentum going for it, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the top five for the next several weekends to come. So there's that. Coming in at number three and actually having a lot bigger drop than I suspected is Fantastic Beast 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore. I 
didn't expect the movie to have that quite big of a drop to the point where it would go all the way to the three spot. I expected that it would drop to number two, but apparently not as many people have liked it as I did. I went, I liked it enough to go and see it twice last weekend, but it's got about a 68% drop, which for those of you who don't follow the box office that much, if you have a 68% drop from weekend one to weekend two, it's usually a sign that the movie didn't what just wasn't very great. If you've got like a 50 to 60% drop between the first two weekends, that's a very good, healthy amount. If you're getting closer to 70, that's not usually a good sign. So that's kind of why I'm a little bit surprised that Fantastic Beast 3 is having such a significant drop. But maybe maybe people just didn't like it as much as I did, and that's totally okay. All film is subjective. But it's making 13.5 million projected in its second weekend, so. I guess we'll we'll have to see. I mean, it's got a lot of um, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say it has a lot going against it, but that wouldn't be true. So I guess I'll just kind of move on from that. But coming in at number four and number five is our other two debuts for the weekend. Coming in at number th- four projected is The Northman, making about twelve point five million projected, and I'd say that's actually a pretty healthy number for a very Norse, very independent feeling, very uh, niche feeling film. Not to say that the, that the Northman is is niche because it's. I would argue that it's not. It's a very, it's a very familiar film that's got a lot of revenge tales. It's just done in a very artistic way, which I thought was phenomenal. So I'm not surprised that the Northman is debuting at number four. Having said that, I think 12.5 million is a pretty good start for it, all things considered. And plus the fact that it's rated R. And it's also, one thing I want to point out, it's it and the unbearable weight of massive talent are debuting in way fewer theaters than its other wide release counterparts. I mean, we look at Fantastic Beasts, it's, ta- it's got another almost double amount of theaters. Sonic the Hedgehog 2's it got another 600, the bad guy's another 800, so... That's another reason for perhaps the fact that it's not making as much money, but yeah, either way, the Northmen, friends, family, go go watch it. It's great. Maybe don't bring little kids to it, but who am I to say if um your your child can handle the movie or not? But the Northmen, twelve point five million that's opening weekend, not too shabby. And then at number five, the unbearable weight of massive talent. I'm actually not surprised that's gonna debut at number five. The the film is so wacky out there and bonkers that I just don't think it would appeal to a wide audience, and it looks like it's going to make about seven point eight million on its opening weekend. It, I, the movie was good, like I and I very much enjoyed it. I can picture that being a good movie for date night for like a couple if they want to go see a funny movie, just get their mind off things for a little while. I think the unbearable weight of massive talent is good for that. I never thought in a million years it'd be a blockbuster. It's just does it's just doesn't it's not a big enough IP. It just doesn't quite give off those vibes. But friends, what were your thoughts on this weekend's box office projections? Were you surprised about the Northman? Were you surprised about the unbearable weight of massive talent? Are you surprised that the bad guys is debuting at number one? Whatever you think, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. Okay, so let's get into the bonus topic for this weekend, and that is going to be this. It is going to be my most anticipated movies for the month of May of 2022. I'm trying to pull up the release schedule for you all so you can see what movies are going to be coming out. This month, the month of May looks like it's going to be a little bit quieter of a month in terms of movie releases. Now, I say that now, but the fact of the matter is I thought April was going to be a really quiet month. I only had two movies that were really on my most anticipated list. I believe it was Ambulance and I believe it was Fantastic Beasts 3. And I think I saw like six or seven movies in the month that I adored or at least thought were good movies. So 
I say that now, take it with a grain of salt for the month of May, but I'm a little bit more firm on the fact there's not really as many movies in the month of May that I'm excited for. The month of May is going to be dominated, I have no doubt, by none other than Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's a very anticipated movie. There's been a lot of hype around it. It's a Marvel movie. The IP is huge. And that's Marvel movies. They just tend to bring out really big crowds, really big movies. And for me, I've enjoyed just about every single Marvel movie I've ever seen. So I'm looking forward to seeing Doctor Strange. And I'm sure a lot of you are as well. So it's also in my list for most anticipated uh, the trailers. I'm not like I'm not like a huge Marvel movie snob. Like I very much really enjoy the Marvel universe. It's just, I don't like to spend a lot of time talking about it. I feel like it's gotten to the point where the Marvel universe has gotten too mainstream for me. There's a certain threshold where things just get too mainstream and I kind of dip out a little bit. And the Marvel universe is just one of them. I still love their movies. I still love going and seeing them, reviewing them, talking about them. It's just, I won't revolve my content around the Marvel movies, if that makes sense. There's plenty of other YouTubers out there who do that. But anyways, I digress. That's one of my two most anticipated movies for the month of May. The second one is actually a movie that I was not excited about at all until I saw the trailer. And as I'm scrolling through all of these, it's Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick had one of my favorite trailers that I have ever ever seen it was very visceral it was very aggressive it was very loud and seeing the trailer in the theater i think for the first time really helped with that it really blew my hair back quite literally when the jet is flying over whoever and it, it just it looked really entertaining enough it looked really thrilling enough for me to get really excited to go and see it and i haven't even seen the first top gun i don't know if i ever will or not but tom cruise has been doing this for a long time and i'm curious to see what he does in top gun maverick I am a very big fan of Miles Teller. I've been a big fan of his work all the way from 21 and over, which is a movie that was on Netflix for a while. It was with him, and I'm trying to remember the name of the other actor that was in it with him. It was a great movie. He, he, he was in Pitch Perfect. He played Jesse in Pitch Perfect. It's gonna. I'll remember it right after this podcast episode's done, of course, but... Anyways, Miles Teller, he, I'm a big fan of his, and he looks to be playing a pretty dramatic role in this one. I'm curious to see what he'll do. So, this, this was a shorter segment. There's really no other movies within the month of May that are getting a wide release that I'm necessarily excited for. Maybe it'll give me an opportunity to catch up on movies I've missed. Bob's Burgers, I'm a fan of the show. I don't obsessively watch it just because I'm not really into TV like that. The Bob's Burgers trailer it reminded me too much of the simpsons movie trailer where it's like it just feels like a longer episode of the tv show so i'm not really too excited to go see it in fact i might not even see it at all it's getting a limited release as well so um downtown abbey i know a lot of people or downtown abbey i know a lot of people who are into this particular ip i know nothing about it i'm not gonna go see it and other than that yeah nothing really other else comes to mind but I'll have to look a little bit deeper to see if there's other movies. But friends, now I ask you, what are your most anticipated movies for the, May, for the month of May of 2022? Are you part of the crowd that absolutely loves the Marvel movies and can't wait to go see Doctor Strange? Are you as excited as I am to go see Top Gun Maverick? Have you seen the first one? Did you like it? Whatever you think, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. All right, we've got good time through these podcast episodes because I don't like to keep them any longer than a half hour. We're at minute 27, which will bring us into... The weekly recommendations. Now, I'm going to recommend to you all a movie, a TV show, and actually, 
I'm sorry. I'm going to recommend to you a movie, a video game, and I'll actually throw in a TV show that I've heard get a lot of praise lately. I'll start off with the movie. Since it's on HBO Max now, and I know I've recommended this a couple of times. Um, actually, no, I take that back. I was going to recommend to you The Batman, but I realized I just recommended it to you about a month ago. I'm actually going to recommend you go and see Die Hard. Shout out to Jordan on Instagram for recommending the movie to me. I saw it for the first time last weekend, which I forgot to talk about in the weekly recap. I watched Die Hard for the first time last weekend, friends, and I was a changed man after watching it. There's nothing... I, I, I feel the need to dedicate like a whole bonus episode of the podcast to it. Maybe I'll talk about it in the next podcast episode. But Die Hard was a phenomenal movie. Like it was... If it's not a masterpiece, it's just short. Bruce Willis, wow, it, it, it's so great. Friends, do yourself a favor. Go watch Die Hard. Alan Rickman crushes it as Hans Gruber. Bruce Willis comes to life and brings John McClane everything you could ever want. It's action-packed. It's got great character relationships. It's funny. It's a lot of fun. It's not too long. Watch it. Do yourself a favor. Go watch Die Hard right now if you've never seen it. I can't believe it took me that long to watch it, but... For video game, I'll recommend, of course, The Last of Us Part 2. I'm playing it right now. I've deeply enjoyed it. I'm very late to the game on it because I just got a PS4 recently, but now I'm glad I'm catching up. And with the surround sound system right now, it's wow. And then for TV show, I'm actually going to recommend to you uh, Winning Time. It's about the Los Angeles Lakers franchise. It's on HBO Max. I haven't seen it myself yet. Full disclaimer there, just so you guys know. I'm recommending it because a favorite movie pundit of mine, John Campia, and his panelists of uh other pundits they say the show is phenomenal i'm gonna take their word for it so i'll pass that recommendation on to you all i'll probably watch it for the first time today after i watch go and see the bad guys but we'll have to see so those are my recommendations for you this week die hard which i'll talk about um, maybe i'll even dedicate a whole segment to it on my channel i'll talk about how it blew me away um i'll talk about that later uh the last of us part two and then winning time so friends that will do it for this episode of Coffee and Kernels. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. This has been the Coffee and Kernels podcast, which is an affiliate of the Banker of Pippo YouTube channel. Click right here if you'd like to see more. And if you like episodes just like this, I've been Bryson. Until next time, have a great day.